Make your plans now to join us for the G3 National Conference, September 30th through October 2nd, as we'll gather for Christian fellowship and the worship of God through song and the preached word. Our theme for the 2021 conference will be centered on biblical Christology. You can find registration details at g3men.org. Get 15% off by mentioning code G3BAR. That's G3BAR. Rogers Music! Hey, what's up, folks? It's your boy, Dwayne. This is The Bar Podcast, a podcast that's interview style. We interview well-known preachers, seminary professors, ministry leaders, app developers, artists, and even local pastors. Tune in every Tuesday to your favorite podcast, The Bar Podcast. You will find a new episode and a new guest. Go to thebarpodcast.com or any of your favorite podcast catchers. Peace. This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a series dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Bakalu. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. It is a pleasure and a joy just to be again with you guys. Thank you for listening or watching uh, our podcast like we do every every Tuesday. Uh, we have a special guest, and we actually have two special guests today. It's been a great joy getting to know them a little better, just when they're about to <laughs> to make a new change, a new transitioning into a new season in their life. But I'm very grateful that I've been able to serve alongside them, and it's been in Sojourners Fellowship Group. So please help me welcome Tiffany and Nate Yutzi. Gonna go in order. Thank you, <laughs> Thank No, you. we're excited to be here, so we really appreciate your podcast, and mm-hmm. uh, we're just glad to be joining with you on this. Do you hear that voice? Yeah, what I told you before, <laughs> I gotta say it now. Like you just have like a radio voice. <laughs> That's Nate. <laughs> well, it's it's funny that you talk about the radio voice because when I was in high school, I was considering journalism, and part of media journalism is doing like talk show and things like that, and. Then when I realized I was called into the pastoral ministry, all these people came out of the woodworks telling me, you have a voice for radio. <laughs> so I'm like, do I go back? No, I, I keep going with where I'm going. But yeah. uh, I've also been told I have a face for radio by yeah. select few. Absolutely. Um, by my wife, I particularly. Say, oh, that, that, I, was gonna, I wasn't going to say, but now that you said it, it was her who said it. <laughs> I, I think I agree sometimes that I have a face for radio, especially in the morning. Yikes. So... Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I'm very happy to have you guys in. Uh, I was like, you know what? We need to get them here before they transition, mm-hmm. before you guys. And we're going to get into that in a little while, in a little bit. I would like to for you guys to share what's happening in your lives mm-hmm. and how the Lord has blessed you uh, with this opportunity. I would love to get to know you guys better. And I would love for our listeners to to do as well. Uh, sometimes, you know, like we go to church with so many different people, but we just see them and it's like mm-hmm. high and by. But we don't really get the opportunity to mm-hmm. truly just get to know them. And that by, you know, asking them about their testimony. And I feel that every time I hear someone's testimony, there is like this different chain like this connection that i feel towards the person even if we don't hang out like all the time but something just changes when you hear someone's testimony and what Mm. the lord has done in their life yeah absolutely you can testify to god's goodness in their life and you can praise the lord with them 
uh, over what the Lord has done. And it's, it is a huge blessing to hear from other people. And even in our fellowship group, when we hear from people, it's, it's a real joy. But for us, I would say for myself, at least my testimony is kind of boring as some people would say. (laughs) Not true. Um, Uh, Well, before you get to the testimony, this is what I like to do. I like you to think back to your childhood. Think, think about your life growing up. I like you to share what was life like growing up with your family, siblings, you know, if you have any, and, um, and then you can just take it from there if you can start up with that. Sure. Tiffany, if you want to start. Oh, okay. Whoever would like to start first. <laughs> I guess he just threw the ball. Let's start. start with you. I love yeah. my family. Um, I have three brothers, and I was the only girl growing up, and... Um, my parents and their families immigrated from Portugal, so I grew up with a very loud, dramatic, food-loving, fish-loving family, um, and we had so much fun growing up. And my brothers are really inventive and smart, and um, they just like lit up my life as a little kid, and so I really enjoyed my childhood. And um, We grew up in a believing family. My parents um, took us to church, and we went to a Christian school that we were in from kindergarten to 12th grade, and we were taught the gospel a lot. And it was a really small Christian school. We have all of these like little jokes and um, a lot of things that were very like the culture of the school that we, that we went to. That was really funny. Like we had, um, like our vacuums never worked or weird things like that. But um, we had, uh, it was a great school. I had a great time there. So yeah, I had a, I had a really blessed and lovely childhood. Um, I can go into more of like, I don't know, the spiritual aspect of my childhood. Anything. But, like yeah. I always said, I like the juicy details. You know, we have time. Like I said, we have well, a lot of time. Yeah, I I mean, I think probably like when, when I look at the way that God blessed me and the people that he put in my life, it's like, oh, I had such a wonderful childhood. Um, but when I look at my heart and like just the my motivations for living and doing what I did. I mean, of course, I didn't know Christ then. And so I was pretty um, selfish and self-centered and um, did everything for my own self-glory or had um, like little cliques and liked to gossip and make myself look good in front of everyone else. And so there was a lot of, obviously, as I'm a sinner, there's a lot of sin in my childhood Mm -hmm. as well. I'm really thankful that the Lord (laughs) saved me out of that in sixth grade, I had a really faithful teacher who was sharing, she shared the gospel all the time in class, but she specifically shared the gospel this one day. We actually had a a girl, like I mentioned, our school was a very small community. I mean, I graduated with like 11 or 10 other people. So it was very small. <laughs> so that might give you a good idea of like, it sounds like why school, maybe. I'm a little quirky. It's time. <laughs> okay, well, don't hang up on me. But <laughs> you said it first. I, I did. I you loved did. it though. I loved, it was so fun. Um, but yes, um, but we had a really sweet girl. She was a freshman at the time. She actually um, passed away pretty suddenly and tragically. And that kind of put everything into perspective. It made the whole, our little community like come to a halt. And we all, I don't know, that was, uh, that was a big aspect of me becoming a believer. Cause I was like, Oh, wait a minute. Like this is, this is legit. Like this is real life. Like I'm not just this little girl, like going about my day. Like I'm actually held accountable for this gospel that keeps getting preached to me day after day and week after week. Um, and so I think it was about in sixth grade that my teacher, um, again, was faithful to share the gospel. And I recognized like I, I like 
wow, I am a sinner in need of a savior and I need to trust in the Lord. And I did. And that was wonderful. Um, obviously I wasn't like this perfect human <laughs> after that. It just blah, like that's not what happened. Um, and so there was a lot of growth, um, that I'm still working through now, but, um, yeah, a lot of like the, you know, taking aspects of that, um, you know, like the self-achievement and need to be the best or like perfectionist things that I still struggle with today. And, mm-hmm. um, but I'm really thankful how I've grown and how the Lord has, uh, just been so gracious in my life to, uh, save me from where I was and, um, bring me to where I am today. But that's kind yeah. of part, there's a whole bunch more there, but yeah. But <laughs> I'm interested to know also, um, about your parents, what role did they play in your life, right? Because mm-hmm. you said that they were both believers. Mm-hmm. So what did your parents do at home? Though the, you getting mm-hmm. the gospel at school, yeah. but there has to be something also happening yeah. in the home, right? Yeah. From both parents. Yeah. So um, I was really thankful that they took us to church weekly. I think that they, um, they really exemplified that. And my dad is definitely like a rock for our family. He's one of the most hardworking people that I know. Um, and so we, you know, I would see him day in and day out, um, just pouring over scripture and just trusting in the Lord in all things. His life was not easy. Um, and obviously like being an immigrant kid and then, um, working really hard to provide for our family. And so, um, I've just seen him, you know, really not trust in himself for those things, but trust in the Lord. And, um, yeah, I'm really thankful for his example. My mom is a very caring and loving individual. And so I think she was definitely the nurturer to our family that, mm-hmm. um, we all needed. And, um, we are, it's actually her birthday tomorrow. So it's really sweet, but oh yeah. Happy like, birthday, mom. <laughs> yeah, happy birthday, mom. Well, I don't know when, <laughs> so, when it comes out, it's going to be probably. I know. I was like, I was like, that's <laughs> from the time. Well, yeah. Yeah. well, happy birthday, mom. Exactly, yeah. Um, and so, yes, but, uh, yeah. So she, she also just played that, like the loving role and I was kind of an emotional kid. And so, um, she was always like the open arms for me to like cry to and be with, um, like when I was emotional, but there was a lot of times too, where I would, um, sin or mess up, or I was being, um, like manipulative or deceitful and they caught, caught on. I mean, that was not the perfect princess daughter that they hoped for. (laughs) Imagine that. But, um, (laughs) and so I think that they, um, they, they always reacted really well to that. Mm -hmm. I think they, they recognized like, oh, this, you know, we did not birth a perfect daughter. And so they use that as an opportunity to, you know, like, are you saved? Like you need to make sure that you come to the Lord if you're not saved. And, um, there is grace and forgiveness here. And so I'm really thankful for that. I didn't have like these crazy overbearing, you know, parents that (laughs) were expecting too much of me or, or too gracious, you know, they called me to conviction of my sin too. So I, um, yeah, I'm really thankful for, for them. And so they will basically not ignore the fact, like when they will see sin in your Mm -hmm. life, it's like, they will yeah, call on it. Absolutely. They will address that. It's not like mm-hmm. they just pretend that it never happened. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in like my junior high and high school years when I made questionable decisions of, <laughs> of just like friend groups or, um, just how, how not friend groups, but how I treated my friend groups and how my friends were really sweet. But you know, I would, I would do things that a Christian would not do. And they were, you know, like, why, why would you, that's not what the Lord calls us to. And so, yeah, they were, they were faithful in that. Yeah. Yeah. And so you grew up where 
you said in, I grew up in Sacramento, California. In Sacramento. But your mm-hmm. parents are from Portugal, mm-hmm. you said. Yeah. So at what point did they move here? Yeah. So my dad um, went to Canada first. Um, and I think he was a boy. I don't remember how old he was, maybe seven or so, maybe. And then um, he they immigrated from Canada to California. My mom's family had already immigrated once my mom was born, but... Yeah, we're all, all my cousins, all my aunts, everyone that I know is, <laughs> that I'm related or blood related to is Portuguese. And so, <laughs> do you yeah. speak Portuguese? I asked you this oh, off camera I before. Did. <laughs> I did when I was a kid and I can hear phrases and hear things that um, I'm like, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about or I can mm-hmm. follow with you, but it's hard to bring the whole language back. Um, and so like I can respond in phrases and we grew up at home speaking and all that, but my parents came from the Azor islands, which has a little bit of a different dialect than, um, mainland Portugal. And then especially a different dialect from Brazilian Portuguese. So people in Brazilian Portuguese will talk to me and I'm like, I had no idea. like a Southern person talking to someone from England, you know, it's like totally missed it. What's a cracker? I don't know. It's (laughs) you. Okay. So then you said that you had this life in high school also that you were not being the most loving to your friends probably, yeah. right? Yeah. And you were not acting in a way that mm-hmm. it's God honoring, mm-hmm. right? And then, so what happens after you move on to going to college? <laughs> Where do you go? Oh, what, what do you do? Yeah. yeah, okay. So we're just, I'm going to follow Oh, no, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. I was like, Disney, come on. Okay, so. Oh, no, no, we're going to, I, I want to lead a little bit to the point of you guys. Oh, but not us, fully, but not dude. fully there. Oh, yeah, so that I can get Yeah. Okay, so, um, yes. Uh, I love my, like, to college story because God was awesome in how he brought me here. Um, So when I was in high school, I loved teaching. I loved just the idea of, like, teaching kids or teaching people, and I really loved music. And I didn't, it took me a while to figure out that you could put the two together, (laughs) like, you could teach music. What? (laughs) And so it took a little bit for that to click. Um, But when I was about a junior or senior in high school, I played Maria in Sound of Music. And I don't know if you've seen that, but Maria teaches these kids how to sing in, like, the in the movie, the play or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, in real life, I was doing that. I was like teaching the kids like, okay, like this is how we sing this song, like backstage. And then we get on stage and I like pretend to teach them. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and that's when I realized like that whole experience, I was like, I love teaching kids music. And so I went to the master's college for, at that point it was college. Now it's the master's um, university. Now it's the master's mm-hmm. university. Mm-hmm. And I went there for music education and that whole process of coming from, um, yeah, like that, high school years to college years and getting here financially and having like the grades to get here. All of that was, um, the Lord's like providence and totally like he just guided my whole way here. Yeah. Like, especially financially, cause we mm-hmm. didn't really have um, a lot of money. And I think, um, it was like the numbers just were not hitting. We're like, there is no way that this is happening. Um, but my parents really wanted me to come and I really wanted to come. So we worked really hard, like found out a few things. And I think even last minute, there were like a few donors that had come in and we're like, hey, like we have, we have this for you. And I, I, cause I think at one point we even said like, oh, I we, we can't go. Like I can't, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to do JC for two years and then come. But um, yeah, it, it kind of worked out for me to be there all four years. Yeah, that was, that was really great. So I learned how to teach music. <laughs> I got my degree, learned how to do that. And I love it. Um, and I haven't, I haven't really done that yet as 
um, work for worker career, but I hope to in the future yeah. um, to possibly have some kind of like voice studio or um, teach music in schools or something. I don't know. I don't know in what capacity, but I know yeah. that I love singing. I love teaching that. I'm really passionate. Like that's where I come alive. So <laughs> you can't tell. Um, yes, but... you are very passionate. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Nate is like, yes. yeah, yes. he's naughty. Yeah. 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 Um, and this is where you guys met, right? Yes. Masters. But yes. we're going to get to the story in a little bit. Okay. Okay. So I do want to ask another question yeah. and it's, um, so when you, when the Lord saved you, yeah. what were you say were some of the changes that you saw in your life? Oh. How, yeah. How do you, what, do, what was the difference that you saw in your own life? Yeah. I would say when the Lord saved me automatically, I just recognized how much of a jerk I was. Like I recognized that everything I was doing was for myself. And so, like I mentioned before, like when I would be with friends, like all that I was saying, all that I would do was to build up myself. And I never cared about like what that would do to anyone else or if I hurt someone's feelings. Um, and I think just learning like kindness <laughs> and true love for people that are saved and for, for everyone, you know, for people because they're created in the image of God and because we're called to love as Christ has loved and mm -hmm. laid down his life for us. Like that was a huge thing for me, just a basic, like loving 101. Like that was kind of my beginnings as a Christian. Yeah. Um, and then I think over time I began to see another aspect of my life that it, it kind of runs along the same, um, course, but, um, the whole like self-achievement and, you know, everything I have to be the best at, um, I have to be the best at what I do. I have to be the best singer. I have to be the best at grades around me. And I never was like, God always put me like, Oh, sorry, you're number three. Like your number, you know, I was never number one. It was just, <laughs> the Lord knew that I needed that humbleness. But I think, um, I was so reliant I was relying so much. Sorry, words. I was relying. Don't, don't look at me. Look at him. <laughs> yeah, relying, relying, relying on my own strength and my mm. own abilities and my own um, talents to get me where I needed to go, rather than like actually surveying, like God, is this what you want for me? Like, and how do I trust in you for you know? Is this your plan? What is your plan for me right now? Is what I'm doing like obedient to you and your will? And am I doing it? in my own strength? Am I doing it for my own glory or am I doing it trusting in you for what you're going to provide and for your plan? And mm -hmm. so, um, something that happened that has really like shaped all of that was when I was a junior in high school. Um, now this is probably a longer part of my testimony as well. Um, my mom and I were in an accident, a car accident. It wasn't a major accident. It was just this minor little thing that we got whiplashed and my mom wasn't feeling too great. And so she went to the chiropractor and got adjusted and she felt fine. I never did. I never thought <laughs> that I needed anything. I felt fine right after it. Um, but we found out a few years, maybe like two years later, that it actually had uh, left some significant damage in my mm. spinal um, cord and then in my uh, nerve system. And so from that, I have like a lot of weird back issues and nerve pain and like severe nerve damage. And so I have um, like chronic migraines and chronic um, body pains and weird nerve pains. And so what that has done is really slow down <laughs> like everything that I do. <laughs> and so um, it's hard, but I'm really thankful to the Lord because it's almost like my daily reminder of like, oh, 
exactly what I said before. All right, God, like, what do you have for me today? What is your will? And like, what is going to glorify you most today? And how do I do that? I surely cannot do that on my own strength. (laughs) Like, I don't have that much, you know? And so it's like, you know, where do I, where do I prioritize? Right. It's like Mm -hmm. in front of me, I have Nate and I have my work and, um, our home. And it's like, I need to, I need to work on those things and trust that God's going to give me what I need for those things. But sometimes that means not doing other fun things that I want to do or things that fill my own agenda or make me feel good about myself. Right. And so I think that over time, you know, what, what I thought would be my plan or what I thought was going to look like the next five year plan of having it all together and running a vocal studio and all that. Right. Um, or even I'm back in college, my plan was to like get my teacher credential and be teaching in classrooms. And that would have been funny if I was doing that now in 2020, (laughs) like that was honestly though. Yeah. Like that was a gift of the Lord because I don't think like physically I could have handled that right now with 2020 and COVID and all the logistics that happen. Um, and so, yeah, like I think there's anyway, there's a lot you can ask any more questions on that. There's a lot more there, but, um, I definitely am grateful to the Lord for that trial because it definitely brought me to a point of like repentance and conviction of my sin of just this like self-achieving attitude that I have to, you know, I'm, I'm a really, I'm a type A person. So I'm like, I have to have my to-do list and I have to get them done by the end of the day. Or I feel like a loser. Like truly that's, (laughs) that's what I tell myself in my head. Like, I'm not even kidding. I was joking with someone once. I'm like, if you opened me up and looked at my DNA strands, it would be to-do list. Like I'm so, yes, it's pretty, yeah. I have lists everywhere around our home. (laughs) And so, which that's not a bad thing, right? Like to-do lists are like a very practical tool. And like God tells us to be prepared and be ready. But it's when I rely on those things. And when Mm -hmm. I define myself by those things that it's wrong, because Mm -hmm. like, that's, those are my plans. Those are not necessarily the Lord's plans. And Mm -hmm. so I always have to be, um, you know, prayerfully bringing them to the Lord and asking that he would, (laughs) if something happens that interrupts those plans, let me be okay with it. And (laughs) yeah. And Yeah. yeah. So like holding everything with open hands, Yes, right? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. That if the Lord if the Lord yeah. has another plan, it's like, okay, so how can I be content if mm-hmm. this is not, mm-hmm. you know, if it's, this is, doesn't move in the yes. direction that I yes. want to, you know, mm-hmm. that yeah. I wanted to, to be moving to, towards to. So yeah, definitely. I, I agree. I mean, like sometimes we just make so many plans, so many things. I mean, last yeah. time we were talking about that, like about the whole plan that I had for the podcast, which it wasn't a podcast that I was thinking about. So, and just mm. to see how everything just is what it is now, it's yeah. nothing yeah. that I had imagined and, or envisioned like yeah. at all. So it's just like, okay, so how can I still be faithful in mm-hmm. wherever the Lord puts me? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And honestly, God has in a way, um, simplified my life. Like I feel like it's gone from this complicated, you know, I, I go home after college classes or at the end of a work day and I'm just like, oh, I have to get all of these things done and I have to like, <laughs> how can I do this all? It's like, Tiffany, you can't, we can't do it all. And so, you know, it was just really good to like, in a way I'm like, oh, like God just calls me to be faithful in these ways. Everything else on top of that is, you know, a blessing, a gift, even being faithful in those things is a gift from the Lord. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And I will pass it on to okay. Nate now. <laughs> Oh no, she's not done yet. I will have questions later on. I'll have questions later, but I will get now to hear Nate's testimony. The same. I want to know about your life growing up with your family. How how was that like for you? Well, I grew up the youngest of six kids. So I was number six. My parents reached perfection and they stopped having kids. (laughs) 
Uh, no, my older siblings would definitely disagree with me on that. Um, but we had a lot of fun growing up. We were born and raised in a Christian home. Both my parents were very firm believers. And having five boys and one girl in the house uh, for kids, all of us under the age of 12 at one point, it was pretty wild around our house. Shoes flying on the on the roof of the house. Dead uh, rats. Right. Dead rats all dead. over all over the place in the in the yard. We grew up out in the country, so wait, we, where where did you grow up again? In Iowa. We, I, we Iowa? were originally from Iowa, yeah. So we were outside all the time doing who knows what that we probably shouldn't have been doing, but it was a lot of fun. I asked my dad once, How did you survive? <laughs> and he said, Oh, those were some great years and tiring years, but good years. Mm. So it was it was quite a joy growing up with all my siblings. I was definitely the quiet one. Out of all of us, I was the least competitive out of all my siblings, which is kind of weird because people always see me as really competitive. Um, But out of all my siblings, I was very quiet. I kind of kept to myself for the most part. And it was just very simple life for me. I didn't I didn't like extravagant things. I still don't like extravagant things. Uh, I always appreciate the simpler things in life. And I enjoyed those. Except for my pens, I really, I really like a nice pen. Can't, can't help a good pen there. Um, but we went to a small church in town. Uh, the town I grew up in was about a thousand people, so it's smaller than Grace Community Church even. And the church was about forty people or so in size. And on a Sunday morning, my mom was our pianist. My dad led the singing. And then our pastor would faithfully bring the word to us. And it was about as simple as it could get for a church service. And it was probably in my later elementary years that the Lord was really working through my life in and through my life. And as a kid, I, I always believed in the Bible. I don't remember a specific point of salvation, but I remember as I got older, the more weighty matters of scripture started weighing on me. Mm-hmm. And when I got into probably junior high, I really began to fear hell. I did not want to go to hell. I had I had uh, nightmares about it. I remember dreaming about it and being scared. And so I would pray, Lord, please save me. I, I don't want to go to hell. Mm-hmm. And I knew I couldn't save myself. So... From there, when I was 13, my mom passed away from cancer. Uh, Mm. She passed away Christmas morning of 2008, which was, it hit our family pretty hard. Uh, My mom was quite the nurturer. She loved being with all of us kids, going to all of our events, trying to keep us all in one piece, keep us us all sane. But when she passed away, being a 13-year-old kid that I was, I was very attentive to what my dad was doing during all of this. And he is so steadfast in his faith and the sovereignty of God that he constantly reminded us kids that, you know, she is, she is in a better place. She is with the Lord and we can rejoice in that. It's hard, but we know that the Lord has the best plan. So we need to trust in that. And that was kind of a defining moment for my own faith. Uh, Tiffany tells me I have the gift of faith because I'm so steadfast in the sovereignty of God, no matter what happens in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, the world could fall apart tomorrow, and I'll still believe that God's on, the, on his throne. Mm-hmm. So I, I took that, and as I got into high school, 
um, I really grew in my hunger for the word of God. There were times throughout school and high school um, where I would have free time and I was always in my Bible. I had a MacArthur study Bible back then, and I was always reading through it, reading through the notes. Uh, my dad had written a number of notes in my Bible for me. And so I was reading through those and I would skip lunch occasionally at school to read my Bible because I felt like it was more important to get spiritual food than to get physical food. Mm. That was part of junior high and high school for me. I kind of stuck out like a sore thumb in my public school that I grew up in. Uh, we had 65 in my graduating class, so a little Close bit, to 10. a little <laughs> bit bigger than yours. Um, but I was always, I was always known as the preacher, mm. uh, the pastor, the one who carried his Bible with him and, and I read my Bible constantly. And through all of that, I just felt like the Lord was was being so gracious and so kind to me in bringing me up in a Christian home, putting me in a really good community and a good church. I, I was so thankful for all of those things and for uh, the faith that I had learned through Scripture as well as through seeing my dad go through a trial that none of our family could have predicted. Mm -hmm. um, but in that, I was just blessed beyond belief by the Lord. And so when I got into high school, my plan was to go into journalism. I really enjoyed writing. I really enjoyed speaking. Crowds never scared me for public speaking, so I enjoyed that kind of thing. But when I got to, I want to say I was 16, that our youth group at our church, um, our pastor had been teaching at two churches. He was the pastor of both of these sister churches, mm -hmm. and eventually he ended up at just one of them because it was too much to teach at both. And so I went with him over to that church, which was a bit bigger than the one I grew up at, uh, but they had a fairly large youth group on Wednesday nights. And our youth pastor one evening, uh, I had been bugging him and bugging him to see if I could teach one night. I really enjoyed listening to John MacArthur growing up and other preachers. So I was like, I really want to try teaching God's word to others. And I get a call that Wednesday. I, I knew I was going to be teaching and the senior pastor calls me. He says, Nate, I'm out of town tonight. So you're going to have the adult ministry in there with you. So that meant I had both the youth and the adult as well as, oh, I think there was another ministry that was in there with us, which was practically the whole church. And I'm teaching for the first time ever, and I have the whole church in front of me. And I remember teaching on knowing what the will of God is in your life. And mm. I loved it. I mm. fell in love with teaching God's word to other people mm. and just seeing how God's word works in and through people's lives. And so I started doing that on a regular basis with our youth group. I would teach every third week or so. There was a rotation of us that would teach. Mm -hmm. And... I really enjoyed that. I started to consider ministry more seriously. Mm -hmm. I spoke with our pastor and our youth pastor and several other pastors that I knew, asking them, do you think this is something that the Lord has for me? They confirmed that that was a fact, mm -hmm. and I got really scared. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I always took on the weight of ministry very quickly and thought, wow, this is, this is intense. Like, I have to be faithful to God's word which can be difficult in our ever-changing world. And it scared me. I thought, man, I don't know if I can do this. The Lord continued to push me in that direction. And I said, okay, I can't fight against God. I need, I need more Bible training. 
And so that's where I ended up at the master's college, now the master's university. And I was a Bible, a biblical languages major. And I just, I enjoyed learning about Greek and Hebrew. I wasn't very good at it, but I loved doing it. I had some really phenomenal teachers who constantly pushed me to be better at studying and and knowing what God's word said in the original languages. And then all my other classes were just a constant building up of that concept. And through the master's university, I got into the master's chorale, the singing group there at the college. And I joined that my freshman year. I, I never thought I was that good of a singer, but they let me in anyway. And that's eventually how Tiffany and I got to know each other better. Uh, we ended up standing next to each other. We were standing buddies, as mm-hmm. they use the term. I wonder if someone had to do anything with that. Yeah, a yeah, we had a mutual friend who shout out to Aaron. Shout out to Aaron for that. Aaron Green. So that was, yeah, that was kind of how we got to know each other more. Before I get into that, I didn't know this part of you about your mom. Mm -hmm. And I want to go back to that Mm -hmm. because, well, it's it's almost similar to Richard. Richard was like a 14 that he also lost Mm -hmm. his mom. And I mean, in his case, he was not a believer. But in your case, you have a believing father. You are raised in a Christian home. But yet how, though, yes, you remain, you know, in the faith and you, you know, trusting in the sovereignty of God. How do you, how will you say that this affect you because you're only 13 mm-hmm. there is so much that is you know that a 13 year old um is going through like you know personally like you know you're just growing and trying to figure out so many things in your life right and mm-hmm. and those changes how would you say that that affected you and how did you see the lord he him you know the lord himself walking you through that but then even your dad using your own dad and mm-hmm. through the whole process oh sure I I definitely didn't grasp it very well. As a 13-year-old kid, you can't really understand all the ins and outs of it. And it, initially, it's just shocking. As I got older and through watching my dad, it was just so prominent that God is faithful. God is so faithful to his word and what he promises to us that no matter what happens, we can trust in his sovereignty And for me, that took away a lot of worry. Uh, I'd be growing up, I had teachers when I was in third grade tell me that I was stressed out. And in third grade, what can you be stressed out about? Not a whole lot. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I I was always very anxious. I was always very concerned about little details. How's this gonna happen? What's happening over here? Why is this happening? And through my mom's passing, I just came to an understanding that I can't control everything mm-hmm. and that it's it's solely based on the Lord's grace and his power in my life that I can do anything. And so I need to trust in that. And when life doesn't go the way you want it to, then you need to rejoice in the Lord and say, you know, Lord, this is hard, but I know that you're in control. You know what you're doing. I'm not in control here. Mm-hmm. So I just need to continually depend on him, Mm -hmm. depend on the Lord for strength to get through whatever trial it may be or circumstance that you don't understand. Yeah. Amen. And I think that's like, I, I've had friends that that's one of the things that they can't 
that they can just comprehend and that they're so against the Lord and brings them to honestly completely hate the Lord. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or the idea of a God that will allow evil to happen. Like, oh, why would a good God allow a child to get cancer, to die from cancer? Well, and first of all, why should he even allow any of us to be alive? Mm-hmm. I think it's like R.C. Sproul, I was watching a video and somebody asked him, like, um, he can't, I, I'm going to paraphrase this, but it was just in the in this line, it's like something about why would God choose some for salvation and others to be sent to hell? And he just like, he sits quietly mm-hmm. and he's like, why is she, why should he allow us to be alive at all, right? Like, what is wrong with you? Like, why, how can you even, like, ask this, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's the question that we, it's not that question that we should be asking. The question is, how should God even allow any of us who are sinners separated from him, right, mm-hmm. to have any, any type of relationship with him? I mean, come on, he sent his son to die for us. You know, and until you understand that, then nothing else will make sense to you. That's right. You know, so um, I think it's just, I, I don't know about this part about Nate. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, you know, and this is my first time listening uh, to both of your testimonies, I think. So it's just great to see that. And I think our first dinner, th- how you described, you know, what you said about Tiffany, this is the same thing that she said when we were going through a bunch of questions on the table because Aaron opened the table <laughs> with some question and that's the way that she described you, you know, just like you're faithful mm-hmm. um, and and you just really trust in the sovereignty mm-hmm. of God no matter what happens in your life. And I think this has become more yeah. alive to me now that you share this because you know where the Lord has you today and seeing your faithfulness mm-hmm. serving the church. So, And yeah. I think it, it kind of bounces off... Um, last week's sermon in Ecclesiastes, Mm -hmm. where since we're not in control of everything, we know that the Lord is in control of everything. Why do we toil so much here in this life? Mm -hmm. That life is a gift. It's not meant for gain. We're not meant to try and, you know, get to the end of life and earn points to some degree, something like that. No, life is a gift that we're meant to enjoy. And we can enjoy it knowing that the Lord is sovereign, knowing that uh, he is in control of everything, that he made the heavens and that he places the stars up in the sky. I kind of take the approach of if you can't, if you can't, if it's, if it's such a hard thing to deal with, then we just have to rely on the Lord more and more. I remember specifically one time my dad and I were going to a men's breakfast and we were so late. We were like 20 minutes late. <laughs> And we were hitting every red light possible <laughs> on the way there. And we would come to a red light and my dad would start laughing. And, you know, I'm very, I'm very much a stickler on time. So I'm saying, why are you laughing? This horrible. We are so late. He says, the Lord controls the lights. So <laughs> why, why complain about it? And we get there and he tells the pastor why we're late. And the pastor starts laughing too. And I just think it's ridiculous. no. It's understanding that you can't control everything and you just got to enjoy life. And sometimes mm-hmm. you just got to laugh at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even when it's difficult to laugh at it, right? That's right. Even, <laughs> even, in, even in the difficult times. And there are times when it's sad and, and you can't laugh at it. Mm-hmm. And you just, you deal with the sorrow of the situation and it's hard, but we know ultimately that the Lord is sovereign. And mm-hmm. so when, when trials come that aren't severe, 
I think of like my car breaking down or, you know, something going wrong at the house. I spill something. We break something, whatever. I break something. Tiffany breaks something. <laughs> Let's be real here. You know, I, I usually just laugh at it because, you know, what what good is it going to be if I get upset or anything like that? You know, the Lord, the Lord knows what we need and what we don't need. Apparently, we didn't need that glass anymore. Apparently, we didn't need the coffee machine three weeks yeah. before finals. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, she, she she broke our coffee machine a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get a new one? We did. Okay. We did. Okay. I was going to ask you if you needed one. Oh, <laughs> so something you. to make coffee. Our, <laughs> we had a church friend pull through. So. Okay. <laughs> Ward knew we didn't need that coffee machine anymore, apparently. <laughs> well, during finals, I'm pretty sure you both were needed. Oh. <laughs> yeah, she needs it, especially on Sunday mornings. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Yep. She's like, yeah, it takes a little bit for my body to work Yeah, like yeah, to get that energy that you have right yeah, now. It takes yeah, a exactly. <laughs> I asked her this morning, do you need a coffee? Yes, <laughs> yes. Because I saw her and she was like, yeah, it's more morning. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, how wonderful just to <laughs> learn more about you guys, mm-hmm. to hear this and just see the Lord's faithfulness mm-hmm. in both of your lives. And now let's take it to Master's College. So you're both in Master's College. <laughs> It's Everyone seen. just got quiet and seen. <laughs> this is not a paid promotion. <laughs> yeah, since you're both kind of just voted to the yeah. master's college, yeah. so you're both in Corral, right? Yeah. All right, so I know I heard the story, but you're going to repeat it again okay. <laughs> now on camera. So Tiffany, I'm going to give it to Tiffany because she did a pretty good job telling me the story. Okay. Yes, yes. But then there will be like the other side of Nate. Also. Well, I also got to mention that her story of meeting me or in this case, seeing me <laughs> is far more exciting than my story. Yeah. Yes, this it is. is. Yes. It is. So let's start with you then. So um, first day of real classes. I was. This is truly a Hallmark movie channel moment um, because I'm standing in line living my own life. And I see this guy walk through the door. And I love it. I did just walked. that. I, it was <laughs> very graceful. I love the and sound you, effect and everything. If you've ever seen Nate walk when he has a mission, this is the walk that I've seen. And our friends probably would know what that means. Or anyone at church has seen I'm him walk with. by a walk. You are. You are. And so he walked from the door to the sandwich line. That man wanted a sandwich <laughs> and I saw him and I I was immediately like wow, who is that guy? And he got he got my attention. I never got his attention for the next like two or three years. <laughs> and so well, two years, two years. And so it really was just this Hallmark movie of or maybe like even less than that like high school musical movie moment of just like <laughs> The girl never being noticed, you know? Um, and so... Oh, boy. <laughs> so, yes, I did. When I joked that he has a radio face, no, I found him very attractive. And I began to learn more about him. So it was it was kind of a... It was, it was not real. I was not like, oh, my gosh, who is this guy? I want to marry him. That was not what happened. I just saw him, and I was like, oh, he's attractive. Huh, I wonder who he is. End That's of story, it. right? I did not think we would... Um, cross paths again. I didn't think anything would happen, but I started learning more about this Nayutsi. I learned he was from Iowa and I was like, great farm boy. All right. I learned he was, I'm not, I'm not, (laughs) not I learned he was a Bible major and I was like, Oh, he's probably really nerdy. I learned he was coming coming from a music major. I was also very nerdy. And then, um, 
And then, oh, I learned he was a biblical languages major, even more intense and nerdy. So everything I was learning about this guy was just this very, like, oh, he's this intense, like, brainy dude. And I just didn't, like, he played football, so he was really jacked. And so I was like, it doesn't add up. And I never understood him. And every time I would see him, he always, he had that same purposeful walk. And I liked his drive. I was like, huh, I like how he has a place to go. You know, I was like, I like this about him. And um, at one point, my, was it? sophomore year, I was working in the music office and he would always come by the music office because he was um, the president of the music group and all that. And at one point I, I was sitting in a room with some girlfriends. Aaron was one of them. Mm -hmm. And I, Nate had walked in, done some business with Doc and was like, sure, great. You know, had his like very like, you got it. (laughs) This manly like businessness on. That's what I sound like. Yes. And he walked out and I turned to the girls and I was like, what is the deal with Nate Utsi? Like, I don't understand him. He seems so full of himself. He seems so nerdy. He seems, I was like, I don't understand this guy. And I, I was genuinely like, opening up the floor to like defend him because please like defend. I don't know who he is and I want to get to know him more. And, um, and (laughs) your face is just so flat right now. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, all of the friends in the room were his friends, like just sweet gal friends. And they were like, Nate, you see is a teddy bear. Like he is so sweet. Are you kidding me? They're like, you have to get to know him. And so it was one of those. And I was like, all right, whatever. Well, later that, month or whatever we ended up getting put next to each other in corral so i had gotten into corral he was the president of the group i was the president of another group and so people joked oh the presidents are standing next to each other because every time in rehearsal every time we sang in concerts we had a specific standing order and we stood next to each other so it's a classic music love story so um (laughs) it really is it really is and you have a wonderful voice darling earlier you said you did not (laughs) But you do. And so I would, and honestly, this was my first year in the group. And I was like, the president is standing next to me. If I don't know my music, he's going to kick me out. And so I always like had my music memorized like a week before everyone else. I'm like, I have to have it all down. And I was like really trying to be careful about how I sang around him. I was really self-conscious. Um, and I thought it was cute, but, and then, um, our, our, um, our conductor's name, conductor. Conductor. Yeah, conductor, um, Doc Plu, he would make us do this horrible thing. He would make us hold hands while we sang. And so that added more tension to my high school musical love story in my brain. <laughs> anyway, so um, that's kind of, that's like, the, that's all the backstory in my brain to a moment where um, we started, we started like hanging out together as a group more. So my roommate's sister was about to marry his roommate. Mm. or an yeah. old roommate yeah and so we kind of had a similar friend group and we like made excuses to all hang out together we had done a few outings together and then finally i'll let you cut in here to when jana oh that's when my story starts that's right <laughs> not yeah because of, that's not when you this side of his story that's when you woke up <laughs> no i was but wait nate because she sees you right so what is what is your side then because clearly she I saw the sandwich line is what I saw. <laughs> That's right. I so, told you that man had a mission. <laughs> yeah, I had to get a lunch. Um <laughs> not even even when I started college, because this was my second year, my senior year. Yeah, it would have been my senior year when we actually met. 
I when I started college, I was very focused on academics. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not worried about women or dating or anything like that. Let me get through school first. Let's focus on one thing at a time. Amen. I'm, I'm very much a one thing at a time <laughs> kind of person. All you boys out there. <laughs> Freshman college dudes, amen. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Focus on your degree Plug. first and then worry about getting a, a spouse or getting into relationships. And so that's what I did. And, yeah, you, you see attractive women on campus, and that's about all that I would acknowledge of the matter. It's, oh, she's attractive. Okay, moving forward. And I saw Tiffany in... Um, Fiddler on the Roof. Fiddler on the Roof, that's right. Dress. That was kind of weird. Being, yeah, I know. Being yeah. carried above everyone. Yeah, I was she, the daughter that got married. Yeah, she played in Fiddler on the Roof, and I saw her, and my reaction was the same as it always is. She's an attractive girl. Moving on. And <laughs> so we did start hanging out more in friend groups with her roommate and my roommate and her roommate's sister. And we got to know each other more. And I appreciated how real Tiffany was with whatever was going on. Uh, usually inside her head is a little, a little scary, but she was always just very genuine. She never put on a face for anything. It was just what you see is what you get with mm-hmm. Tiffany. And it was always really fun. She, she loved life. She didn't take herself too seriously, mm-hmm. which I try not to take myself too seriously. And we got to know each other more and more that way. And we were approaching the end of my senior year and we finally, had an evening where we got to talk about our relationship. Hold up. Hold up. Okay. Hold up. Hold up. Library. Oh, yeah, the library scene. <laughs> oh, there is a scene. The scene. There's a scene. We're in a movie right now. Yeah, in the high, well, school high school musical. The scene is I'm sitting in the library studying, <laughs> enjoying life studying. It's all quiet. Life is happy. And, and then, then Tiffany walked in, apparently. No, 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 no. <laughs> Her Tiffany's roommate storms in the library, and she's she's a very eccentric person. She storms in the library, walks over to my desk, and practically yells in the library, "When are you going to ask my roommate out?" And then she just storms out, and I I barely recognize what was happening. I look up and I'm like, "What on earth just happened? Like, are you kidding me?" And so I thought, okay, you know, that, I guess that's kind of a green light at this point. I'm a, I'm a rockhead, as, as a pastor once told me. Uh, so I figured, okay. So he I, really did need that. He really did need I, someone I did. to yell at I him did. in the middle of a quiet library that, to go get the girl, apparently. Yeah. That, was, that kind of affirmed in my mind that, hey, she actually likes me. <laughs> So she was having I a know, whole story in her mind. She had her own Hallmark her. story. This is why, ladies, ladies, for you that are listening, just tell the guy, like, hey, this is where I'm at. Yeah, don't don't, don't play the scenes don't play in your mind. don't play the weird Hallmark movie that <laughs> Tiffany played. Um, and so then I decided, okay, I got to talk to her about this because I'm interested, and she's clearly interested via her roommate's strong commands. <laughs> And so we had an evening and we talked about it. And one of the first things I told her was, I really believe that the Lord has called me into ministry. And I realized that's not for everyone. That's a very tough path to go down, especially for a pastor's wife. And so I said, if we end up going down this road, recognize that this is ultimately where I believe the Lord wants me to end up. And she she said, okay. And we talked through that and we decided that we weren't going to start dating at the end of the semester just because there's too much going on. There's finals. Uh, we had a corral tour coming up overseas in Israel. Mm-hmm. There was just way too much going on for us to actually start a relationship at that point. 
So we said, we're going to take the summer. We're going to pray about it. I'm going to be back in the fall for seminary and we can reevaluate then. And over that summer, we had opposite schedules for work. I was working a night shift. She was working during the day. And we never really had time. And the time difference. It just, and the time totally difference really, really messed things up. Except for every Except other week. Except for every other week. I had a day off every other week. And since I worked night shift, I was always awake at night when I had my day off. And so she would come home and we would talk via Skype for hours. We probably had five, six hour conversations sometimes. And our longest one was like seven. Yeah. Just talking about whatever. That's longer than an interview here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it It was... was, It was awesome. It was truly... I mean, that's when we became best friends. It Mm -hmm. was just like we took personality tests together. We talked about our our testimonies, our faith, our struggles. We just talked about everything and got Mm -hmm. to know each other. And it was like... It was also really nice to not have the pressures of people. It was just like very raw. Let's get to know each other. Mm -hmm. And it was was great. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then when I got back out to California at the end of the summer, I actually stopped at her house because um, she needed to drive down to Masters from mm-hmm. Sacramento, which is about a six-hour drive. And she had never done it by herself. So her dad was glad to have a carpool with her. And yeah. so... My mom said that when she met you and saw us interact for the first time, she knew. Mm. Do you know that? She told me that. I think recently. I think she did say that. She yeah. knew. She was like, "Huh?" Because I I had dated a few guys, and she was like, "No, this is this is the guy." This I is the like, one. And that was like, you know, we hadn't even officially started dating. We were mm. just, but we had we just had that connection. We just, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And you guys got married. Uh, July of 2019, 2019 is when we got married. So now I want you to tell the story of when you proposed because there was something else here oh my gosh. <laughs> happened that day, and it was like it was so funny. It was, <laughs> so the ladies can stop. <laughs> So you know, like our mind. Oh, yeah. Man. What the don't, hell? Don't. Yeah, yeah. Don't. Don't. I know. I know. Don't overthink proposing. Okay. That's one piece of advice. So who's going to start first? Because I know that you had something else also. You should probably start. Yeah. Just tell your plan. And I'll okay. say what actually happened and In her mind. how it went. The week of the proposal, I actually got the ring probably four or five days before I proposed. And... <laughs> It sat in it sat in my desk at work, and that was all. Oh, that was so annoying. I couldn't focus for the entire week. So I'm like, "There's a ring in that drawer. I really love this woman. I want to propose to her. Got to wait. I have a plan." So my plan was to, on Sunday um, after church, I was going to take her up to an overlook in Santa Clarita that overlooks the city. It's really quiet. It's really nice. It looks beautiful. We would stargaze there in the evenings. And we, so. would, and we would stargaze there because where else can you see stars in Los Angeles? So you have to get up out of the city. Mm-hmm. And we would do that. And so that was a really good spot. And I figured, like all other women, Tiffany was going to want pictures of her proposal. So... I was like, okay, I have to get a photographer up there, and I have to be able to hide a photographer up there. And so there was a good spot to do that up there. Everything was great. Everything was well-planned. Tiffany had said she wanted her parents in town, which her parents were in town for a play or an opera scene that they had done uh, the previous day, which Mm -hmm. Tiffany can get into the details about that. But the plan was great, elaborate. I loved it. Then I find out that the weather is not going to be favorable. It's going to be raining. Potentially, we weren't sure. So I thought, okay, now I have to find a way to get us 
undercover somewhere in in some kind of either outdoor awning or something like that. And I had to find a park that had a covering, like an outdoor patio area. But I also had to find a park that had two of them for the sake of my photographer because he needed to be undercover as well. And he couldn't be in the same covered area as we are. We were otherwise it would give the whole thing away, blah, blah, blah. So I find this park. It's over in Valencia. It is a circle, a perfect circle park. And it has two covered awnings in it. And it's the most boring thing on the planet. And so I have to come up with a way to sell it to Tiffany saying, Hey, we got to go to this park. (laughs) And the only thing that was semi unique about it was the fact that it was circular. So I tell her after lunch on Sunday, hey, we're going to go relax a little bit. There's a park nearby. It's circular. We can go check it out. It's so cool. I, I don't know how you bought that because that was, that was rough. <laughs> really rough. It was, it was really rough. Really but rough. then, okay, so then you plan everything out. and So then I, I arranged my photographer to go there. Um, after lunch, we stopped by the dorms because Tiffany wanted to change, which was also another crick in the plan, if you will, because I figured Sunday we're dressed up for church. It's going to look good in the photos, but she wanted to change. So she changed into sweatshirts and jeans. Yeah, I'm not going in the walk in the park <laughs> with some fancy Sunday clothes on. Are you kidding me? Which, you did. You, you wore your I suit. I was wearing a suit. <laughs> I look good. <laughs> you did. You did. You looked fine. But uh, we get we get to the park, and I'll let you tell that okay. part because that's your so, favorite. Part. There is a dramatic scene now coming up. <laughs> dramatic scene. Okay. Dramatic. So, oh, dramatic. The drama. That's right. Oh, yes. I always bring in the drama. Apparently. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. So, to be honest, leading up to Nate proposing to me was probably the worst week of my life. <laughs> It was pretty bad. (laughs) It was really bad. Um, I will say um, when I was in college, I was on dorm staff and dorm staff was really fun. You know, you do wing events, you check people's rooms and make sure they're clean. You do some really neat things. Um, And then there's like this one week where everything converges. All of the drama comes up. All of the situations come up. You have to address. Um, And this was that week. And um, I had a fever. I was really sick this week. And I was in this opera. And so we had tech rehearsals, like all these late night rehearsals for opera. But all this other stuff was going down, like in my, you know, dorm service life stuff. And so all of these things were converging. I was super sick. Um, my My family, my parents were in town. And so I was like trying to host them. But then also like, oh, I have to go like do these. It was just it was there was a lot happening at once. The opera itself is what Nate told me to share was um, it was literally an opera about this girl who is getting engaged and <laughs> the, the entire time she has this guy. It's called the telephone. Um, it's a crazy, weird opera with notes that scour the face of the planet. You don't even know exists. It's a weird. Yeah, it's, it's really fun. It's just really hard to sing. What? And, <laughs> like the music. Is the like, mu- Okay, thank you for music. clarifying. I said the notes. The notes, music notes. Notes could be anything. Okay, the music. music notes. Yeah, anyway, it was really fun. It was just a very eccentric opera. And the entire time, this girl's on the telephone talking with her friends, gossiping, being a busybody. And her guy, her, her man, is trying to propose to her the entire time and finally has to propose on the phone. Because it's the only thing that works, right? Um, it was really fitting that this was when I was about to get engaged. And 
all of my friends knew I was about to get engaged. And there was some rumor that I was going to actually be proposed to on Saturday night, not Sunday. So a few of my friends almost like actually broke the, I don't know. It almost got spilled. The spilled yeah. Almost got spilled because at one point we came back from our tech rehearsal. We came back from cleanup at like two in the morning to the dorms. And I sat down with one of my friends and she's like, so how was your night? I was like, Oh, so good. Like opera was great. We cleaned up. We did like our debriefs. Great. And she's like, no, like how was your night? And she was starting to get upset. Cause she's like, Nate didn't, Nate didn't do it. Like what happened? It went wrong. And <laughs> I was like, no, it was fine. Like I, I, it was fine. Like, I feel terrible. I'm sick, but I'm like, I'm fine. And so, yeah, sure enough. Um, and then I think she like looked at my hand and was like, oh my gosh, it didn't happen yet. And so then she's like, oh, okay. All relaxed. Another girl almost congratulated me because she thought that I, so like all these things, one girl was going to decorate my door like that night and she, and then she didn't. So, and I was okay again. So Nate had told me at the beginning of the week that we wanted to do this little hike or whatever after church. So I knew that, but I was so blindsided that all that happened that week, that that wasn't even like, I hadn't seen Nate since that night. So much had gone on come Sunday. And we're at church. Nate leads worship. My family's there. We're meeting people, our normal life. We go to lunch, say bye to my family, which was hard for me. And then we get in the car, <laughs> go change. And I was like, I got to go change it. I'm like, I'm so done. I got to change out of these clothes. I think if you had fought that, I would have realized that something was up. But he didn't. And he was like, yeah, sure, no problem. And then we get back in the car. And I'm like, Nate, I have to tell you what happened this week. And I start sharing him like all this terrible stuff that happened during the week, like stuff that we were dealing with stuff that, you know, I'm just like, and I feel sick and then go rehearsals and I'm just going on and on and on. And like the girl in the show. Right. And then, uh, and finally at one point he goes, Tiffany, you have to stop. He's like, you can't, he's like, you I don't know how you said it, but you can't, I didn't want her going into a proposal with this kind of mindset yeah. of focusing on everything that went wrong that week. And so yeah. I, I did tell her, I was like, Tiffany, can we talk about something else? And he had never done that to me before. He, he's usually very receptive and listens to me. And so I was like, what? Like I was crushed. I was like, I just had probably the worst week of my life. And I don't even know how, like wh- what? And so yeah, it was, it was hard. I was like, this is weird. And then, um, then I started asking like really boring. I was like, well, how are you? Good. How's your family? Good. Like, no, like it was just awkward then. It was like really quiet and awkward. We get to this park and I'm like, so why'd you bring me here? He's like, it's circular. Great. All right. Nate's like weird fifth grade, like I don't know. I was like, these guys weird. So he like takes me through. We start walking on the path and then we start walking on the grass. Like he just like grabs me while, and I'm like, what psychopath doesn't walk on the sidewalk? And I was like, I was, true. yes, I was concerned. And I was like, Nate. And I was like, what is going on? And then everything just started like, like coming together. I'm like, Oh, everything was that? <laughs> that was everything I started realizing like oh he's probably about to propose and he saw the look on my face and then he like grabbed me took me faster it was you make like, me sound so aggressive <laughs> you, took, you kind of were you took me to the spot and then you kneeled down and you're like will you marry me like, you're just like at that not. point it was like you just had to get it done <laughs> wow so 
<laughs> Didn't think I was that mean. You weren't mean at all. It was just a, I was being difficult, and it was a really hard week, and you just <laughs> had to get it done. You said so yes, I just, though. So I, I did say yes, yeah. of course. After all the drama. I know. It wasn't really that dramatic. It's actually a very boring engagement story. It's just... Everything leading, our, up to it. everything leading up to it was, and so we're yeah. walking back to the car. Our photographers just taking photos of us for the fun of it, and Tiffany starts freaking out. She's like, "Oh my gosh, my family! They're on their way home. We had just had lunch with them, said goodbye, but they were going back to um, my apartment to have a surprise party for Tiffany." And she's freaking out. "Oh my gosh, they're going home. We should. Them. We need to call them. We need to say something." <laughs> and I stopped her. I'm like, "Tiffany." What do you think I did? And she goes, oh. <laughs> he doesn't even try to cover it up anymore. It's yeah. just like, they're like, here. They're, they're here. He's like, I'll give it away. Surprise. Yeah. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Wow. So. Wow. So he just had to say it. Like, yeah. your parents are here. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Ruined the surprise. <laughs> She's going to wait. He's like, okay, I need to calm her down. This, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, there were there were no some more surprises that day. Yeah, yeah, and now you guys have been married for two years, almost, almost. two years. Yeah. yeah, and so Nate, you've been in seminary also. Mm-hmm. So, like I mentioned in the beginning, also you both have been serving in sojourners, and you're graduating this May. This May. Mm-hmm. So, tell us a little bit about mm-hmm. what happened to you guys because, like I mentioned, you guys are transitioning out from sojourners. Mm-hmm. So if we, if you wouldn't mind, first of all, let's talk about um, why you went to the master seminary. You know, like to to become what a pastor. Mm-hmm. The, the, describe a little bit about what is uh, your goal in ministry. Yeah. Sure. So when I got to the master's college at the time, now the university, I I knew I wanted to be a pastor. I wasn't sure what that required or what I had to do in order to get there. Mm-hmm. And so probably two years into my degree, I find out that a pastor typically has to get a master's of divinity degree. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, okay, I better seek to get one of those somewhere. I don't know how to do that, what that requires. And then I find out that there's a master's seminary associated with the master's university, which is where you can get your MDiv degree. It's a kind of a pastor's master's degree. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, okay, I'll, I'll look to go there and I'm, I'm assuming that since there's a connection between the two institutions, it shouldn't be too difficult to do that. And it wasn't. I actually ended up getting a really good scholarship uh, through the college and the seminary together, which was a huge blessing for me. And I started the seminary in the fall of 2017. Mm -hmm. And throughout my time in seminary, I've been a part of the men's choir that sings for Shepherd's Conference, that sings for graduation. And I enjoyed the choir. The music wasn't too difficult. It was really fun to sing. But I recognized that there is a huge, yeah, there's a a greater need, I guess you could say. There's a greater need for music pastors, um, and not just music pastors, but senior pastors who understand music. Mm -hmm. And through that, I got more and more passionate about music in the church. We need to understand music better because at the Master's Seminary, we're very focused on preaching as we should Mm -hmm. be, Mm -hmm. but music often gets neglected. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, we need to have a good foundation in music somewhere. And that's what really pushed me in the direction of being a music pastor. Mm -hmm. Uh, I grew up in a church that all we sang were hymns. Uh, We actually used the old hymnal that Grace Church used to use, which is a phenomenal hymnal. I loved it. 
I loved all the old hymns and I loved music in general, having sung in choirs uh, all over the state of Iowa, having sung in the master's chorale. I just, I love music. Mm -hmm. And so I recognize that this, I think this is where the Lord is really pushing me to go from there. I started pursuing everything I could in music at the seminary, which the seminary doesn't have any specified classes that they regularly teach on music. So I took directed studies with the uh, music directors at Grace Church, Bill Brandenstein and Clayton Erb, which mm-hmm. was a huge blessing. I got interviews with them. We had lunch, um, just talking through music ministry as a whole. And I got to know uh, Mark Rice on piano, working through various uh, piano pieces, learning how to organize music better, things like that. And I just loved it. And so at, let me think, maybe two years ago, Tiffany and I officially decided that this was the direction we were going to go. I'm going to pursue a music pastor position rather than a senior pastor position because I realized that the Lord wasn't calling me to a, I guess you could say, number one position in a church, not the lead pastor, not the senior pastor, Mm -hmm. but more of a supporting role. We started going that direction and immediately... Shepherd's Conference of 2019 took place. 20. Was it 2020? It was right before it shut down. Oh, that's right. Um, March of 2020, I got to know uh, these pastors from Twin Falls, Idaho, uh, who they were in connection with Tiffany's boss, Jade Greenfield, at the seminary. Mm-hmm. And Tiffany had told Jade that we were going for a music pastor position. And then this pastor comes to Jade like a week later saying, we're looking for a music pastor. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so they come down to the tent where I was working to find me. And they were so excited to uh, get to know me and to meet me uh, as someone pursuing a music pastor position at the seminary. Because what's often the case in many churches is that they have either someone who's very musically gifted with no theological training or they have someone who understands the Bible, who has theological training, but no musical giftedness. I want to bridge those gaps, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so we, we've we been in talks with them for uh, about two years now. And over the course of time, this just became a very natural relationship for us. I I would talk on the phone with the elders several times. We went and visited a few times. And it was always just a very natural, very fun uh, environment, very, you know, God glorifying time that we would spend with them and very encouraging. So we, we believe that this was the Lord opening up doors Mm -hmm. several times. And there were times where I was talking to other pastors of other churches looking for a music guy and the doors were closing. My, my thought process was as long as the door, as long as the Lord keeps opening up doors, I'm going to keep walking through them Mm -hmm. until he closes the door whether that be on this church or other churches, uh, whatever that may be. So we continued in this relationship, if you will, with this church uh, to a point where uh, probably a month and a half ago, two months ago, we went up and visited them uh, for a whole week. We got to spend that all that time up there seeing all their different ministries that they have throughout the week, um, getting to know the elders more, getting to know the deacons, um, I preached that Sunday up at the church and then I had a Q and a with the congregation. It was really fun. And afterwards the pastor and the elders met briefly and they said, Nate, we would love to extend this to you. And so then came a time for prayer mm-hmm. to really bring this before the Lord saying, Lord, is this what you want? 
because just because they extended me the offer doesn't mean that that's what the Lord wants for us. So we spent a great deal of time in prayer over it, thinking through what they had offered me, mm-hmm. uh, making sure it was the right fit, and it was very clear that it was. Mm-hmm. So we accepted that position a few weeks ago, and the Lord has been so good to us in helping us transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're definitely going to miss our family here at Grace, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're really looking forward to the opportunities of ministry and, and getting to know another church body yeah. up in Idaho. Yeah, we will miss you guys. <laughs> it's yeah. been a pleasure to get to know you and to see you guys so faithfully serving sojourners. And I know you're going to be a blessing to that church, Lord mm-hmm. willing. But, of course, you're going to come visit. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so, and what a blessing just to see the Lord, you know, when you are Christ-focused, mm-hmm. when your goal is to honor, glorify Christ, then He's going to move you right always in the right direction and open the right doors yeah. for you. And because I remember you telling us the story too, like I heard both of the versions, <laughs> uh, how everything happened. And yeah. it's just to see just the hand of God just mm-hmm. leading you both to, yeah. to this very moment. And I know that, you know, wherever you both go, you're going to be a blessing to, mm-hmm. to anyone you, you're with. And uh, that's my prayer for you guys. And mm-hmm. I know if anyone who listens to the podcast <laughs> later on, that's a way that you can be praying for them. Yeah. Just for the transition, adjusting to this new place and getting to know new friends there, mm-hmm. connecting with the church, uh, serving there faithfully. And so when it's uh, the official move date that you, you have? So our last day in California is May 18th. Okay. Now uh, we start the journey up to... Twin Falls on the 19th of May. The 19th of May. Mm -hmm. So the church is coming down, the elders and some of the deacons are coming down to help us move, Mm -hmm. which is a huge blessing Mm -hmm. um, because getting a U-Haul out of California is a bit expensive at the moment. Impossible. But they are coming down to help Mm -hmm. you guys, which is another blessing. (laughs) It keeps coming. Like the Lord keeps... Yeah, isn't it in overflowing? Just even these. moving from one apartment to the other here in yeah. California, how difficult is that? Imagine like yeah. out of state, and yeah. what a blessing that is. And you guys, I mean, it's you've recently just got married, you mm-hmm. know, and now, and you've been in ministry. How have the Lord used all of this in your marriage? <laughs> you know, oh. how have you seen the Lord using the ministry that you're involved? Because mm-hmm. you guys are doing. I mean, we're going through a lot of the things that you guys were, you know, are involved in the church, newlywed ministry, now this opportunity. Um, How are you guys navigating through all of that in your marriage and making sure that you don't neglect your ministry, but that you don't neglect your own marriage Mm -hmm. as well? Hmm. I'll, whoever wants to answer. If anything, both, actually, from both sides, like how is the Lord just, you know, using this time in in your marriage. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've had a pretty unique uh, first two years of marriage in that Nate's in seminary and full-time work and borderline full-time ministry, maybe half-time ministry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so um, I would say that the first couple years has been, has been challenging in the sense of really needing to um, set aside like my own desires and expectations to serve him along this side, mm-hmm. along this time, mm-hmm. because it is really challenging to do all of those things well and to, um, yeah, to do, to just balance all those plates. And so I think 
Um, it was really interesting in my first year of us being married. I thought I saw him doing all the things. I'm like, oh, I can do all the things. And so I started like, oh, I'll serve here and I'll do this and I'll, you know, go to this study. And I, I was trying to like jump into every pool that I could just to, and a lot, I mean, I think I had good intentions behind it. I wanted to learn. I wanted to prepare for ministry. I wanted to, I, I'm at Grace Community Church and I was like, I, I can learn so much here and I really want to take, you know, um, all of the opportunities that I can, you know, I'm really thankful that I did. I think that those were definitely God ordained, Mm -hmm. but what I found is that I I can't do all of that. And Mm -hmm. I personally found that I was neglecting, um, just a little bit of, um, how I could have been serving Nate better or being more available to help him with schoolwork or ministry stuff that he was doing. I would find myself going back to not having as much energy or days of pain and all that, I would kind of compromise like, oh, well, I I really need to go to this study. But then when it came to Bible study, when Nate was teaching or whatever, like I would kind of bow out or, Mm -hmm. and then it was like, wait a minute, like I really need to be by his side for those things. Like those are where I'm like, no, that's, that really should be my first priority um, is just serving him in that. This second year, you know, this past, definitely the past like half year, um, six or seven months, I think I've taken, I've tried to take a different approach to step back from a lot of things. <laughs> um, and that has been really helpful. You know, I think I, I was so busy living the ministry life that I, not that I was neglecting my relationship with the Lord or my relationship with Nate, but it really allowed me to even more like excel in faithfulness mm-hmm. in those areas. And, um, I think the Lord has, I'm I'm thankful for that because he's taught me like the importance to um, have a freer schedule to like actually come alongside Nate and do my Mm -hmm. job as a helper. And yeah, I I don't know if I explained that well, but I think, um, yeah, I I definitely just have learned like through all this, like my priorities as Mm -hmm. first, like a daughter of Christ and my relationship with him being like you know, there and trusting in him and being in the word and being in prayer. And then second is my relationship with with Nate. And like everything that falls underneath is going to happen. Ministry will happen. Things, you know, friends and helping them will happen and all that. Being mentored, you know, like all of those things will come into play, but I have to have like those two foundational things first. Mm -hmm. And I think, especially as I look ahead to ministry, um, like there will be a lot of tugs and a lot of really cool, honestly, opportunities that I would love to do, but I think I'll need like knowing me, (laughs) knowing my like excitedness to be a part of everything (laughs) and feel like I can do everything. Like I really have to, um, pray a lot about where God wants me alongside Nate. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's a little bit of what I've learned. I've loved it. It's been, um, I've loved being married to Nate. I think I'm so glad that we are married and not doing like this chapter of, so we got married when he was halfway through seminary. So he had done his two years. We were, we were dating and then his second two years we were married. And so I don't know this guy outside of books and seminary. And so (laughs) I'm really excited to get to know him outside of that and how, you know, what, what are date nights going to look like now? And what are like actual nights? Like (laughs) we'll hang out together look like, so I'm really, I'm really interested to see how we just grow even like, I know we're best friends. We're our support systems. You know, we, we love each other and care for each other, but I'm even more excited to like pursue people together, pursue our faith and hobbies together. And, um, so yeah, that's yeah, lot to look forward to. Yeah, coming from coming from the seminary side of things, 
or just the school side of things in general, it's it's a constant battle for my time of how much should I study this evening? How much time can I devote to spending time with Tiffany and things like that, where my ultimate desire is to get the homework done so that I can spend time with Tiffany and get all this get all this work done and between working 25 hours a week doing ministry on Sunday mornings and throughout the week as well. And then having school, it'll be nice to have all three of those aspects combined to a degree where school is, is (laughs) I'll be done with school and then work and ministry will be combined into just ministry. I look forward to having freer evenings because right now we get home in the evening from work and I have to go to school or I have to get some work done for school or ministry. And so we don't get as much time together as I would like. So that'll be, that'll be fun to have more time together and not, not have to worry about school so much. Go into this new chapter, right? Yeah. Together. Yeah. And, um, what is the position again that they offer to you? Because I don't think I asked. So the official position is the associate pastor of music and administration. So I'll be handling, uh, the music on Sunday mornings, as well as preparations for that throughout mm-hmm. the week, as well as uh, office administration work mm-hmm. that the church need needs help with. Because it's interesting, they're currently in a position where they have so much ministry going on, the church is growing so rapidly that the elders and the pastor aren't able to keep up with everything, if you will. Mm-hmm. There's kind of a paper trail that's left behind that that they need help with and just organizing themselves mm-hmm. into a position where they can better serve the people and serve more people as a result yeah. and to have someone come alongside them for that. And I have a background in office work and office management things, so I'm excited to help them in that so that the ministry can grow and mm-hmm. um, to be able to serve the body better. Yeah. And so now I do want to ask you another question in regards to a lot of times, or I've heard before, people saying that for men, single men who want to get married, right, with desire to get married, maybe they should wait until they're done with seminary (laughs) or school and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I don't know whether that's true or not, you know, they will be better for you or, you know, so those kind Mm -hmm. of things. So what will you... um, advice to single men or even men who are dating um, and they want to serve in ministry and maybe they don't know whether they should move, you know, they should get married or not. Is it better for them to just like, you know, stay single, go through seminary (laughs) and wait until then and then get married or whichever, like, you know, what will you advise? How can they equip themselves also for moving forward to going into ministry so a lot of it depends on the individuals themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. the, the Bible tells us that it's better for a man to get married than to burn with passion. If those desires are very strong in a young man who wants to get married or who's dating, um, it's probably better for them to get married first, even while they're in seminary, than to possibly get into sin or to continue in sin in that regard. But there are situations where it's best to wait until after school so as to not cause harm to each other based mm-hmm. on the rigors of school and the demand of school that uh, that school has on a marriage. Mm-hmm. So... Depending on the individual, it may be wise to wait. It may be wise to get married right away. 
for us, it was, there was a good time for us to get married while we were in school and we, we did not want to wait. So we found, we made that time work for us and the Lord has really blessed us through it because even in the challenges of the first two years of our marriage with me being in school, there's still been so many blessings of our marriage while we're in school. I have uh, someone to come alongside me and to help me and to call me back when I'm, when I'm going crazy with school or Mm -hmm. if she's struggling with something, I can, I can help her in that. So there's definitely that, um, unified approach to what we're doing to the goal of finishing school, going into ministry, um, as a married couple, then that we wouldn't be able to have if we were just dating or if we were single as Mm -hmm. it were. Yeah. So there's there's definitely different approaches to it. I think it's a matter of talking through what's going to work best for uh, them as a couple if you're dating and going from there, seeking out the Lord in prayer to understand what's what's the best situation for us. Should we wait? Should we go ahead and get married now? Um, I think yeah. it really depends. And what will be some of the practical things that a man can do to begin preparing for ministry, just not the... You know, yes, you're going to the seminary and you're training yourself, like you're just mm. studying and all those things. But what are some other practical things that they can be doing in order to prepare for whatever ministry the Lord has for them in the future? I would say the biggest thing in that regard is for them to get plugged into ministry yeah. very practically. Mm-hmm. So in my circumstance, I'm involved in Sojourner's ministry, which we we on the leadership team, we get together regularly and we meet through different issues in ministry. And it's very practical. Uh, People struggling with certain things. Uh, In the Sojourners Ministry, we we try and help out widows who are struggling or some situation happened over here that we need to help with or someone's in the hospital that we have to go visit. It's extremely practical. And in that way, it's no longer studying, here's how we need to care for people. It's actually, this is how you care for people. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very different than what a book is going to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in a book, you don't see the emotions of someone. You don't have someone sitting in front of you telling telling you their struggles or their trials that they're dealing with and having to pray with them or having to counsel them in that. So very practically, I would say get involved in a ministry where you can. I'm amazed at some of the some of the seminary students that don't get involved in ministry while they're in school and they come out they're very raw, they're very fresh and they don't understand how ministry works. The first couple of years can be very rocky for them. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone who's been involved in ministry and been included in some capacity where they're practically working out what they're learning, then they can go into ministry with a lot smoother of a transition having that background whether big or small it may be, they can be more prepared for ministry that's beyond the books. Yeah. To your previous question, Mm -hmm. um, I would, from the women's perspective, I would say um, if you feel led to be married, and obviously every situation is different, there's different wisdom and guidance Mm -hmm. from the Lord for each person and relationship. Um, But honestly, I would advocate for try, if you can have the resources, try to get married while he's still in seminary because it's the circle of seminary and grace is very gracious. <laughs> and it's kind of a good, like, uh, tactical training. I don't know the 
the word training ground base camp training camp kind of thing in the sense of like it, i i feel like it would have been really hard to go into ministry in our first couple of years of marriage and been expected to like get to know this person know how they work and know how they relate with people as well as this entire church now and how does my role fit in like i'm really i'm i guess maybe that's just then for our situation but mm-hmm. having this background of okay like we have we have had the nights where we've had to pick something up and help out in the church. We've had people come over. We've been known. We know people. We know how we do hospitality. We know how we serve on Sunday mornings. And I'm really thankful for that because I, I, I kind of know how Nate, how Nate grooves, you know? And I'm like, mm-hmm. and now going into a ministry, into a church, because um, I would even say like, if there is a concern going into seminary together as a couple, there's probably a concern going into ministry mm-hmm. as a couple as well. You know, I don't think that that, whatever that concern is would go away. I don't know. I don't know if that's fair to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause it kind of goes back from a little bit of what you said. Um, I also would say to single guy, don't just get married. <laughs> if you're single and you're like, Oh wow, I got to get married before I go into <laughs> ministry. Like don't yeah. just find a girl, snatch her and get married. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> that's not also advised. Like really, I mean, if, you know, the Lord's going to let that happen in God's timing. Let that happen. Don't feel the pressure to just get married because you have to be whatever that, whatever that pressure is to get, to be in ministry as a married guy is not always the case. You know, we have a lot of biblical examples of that, but I know that was my little, yeah, no, that was great. Well stated. Yeah. And that's great. Just like, yeah. Oh, and I would say if you are the girl in that relationship of maybe you're dating a guy in seminary and you're deciding, I would say again, like if, um, it is hard. Like it's, it's going to be hard there. You're going to struggle with <laughs> possessiveness of your husband. Um, when he's, he's like, wow, you're married to your books over than me. You know, like I've had all those thoughts or like loneliness, like there'll be really lonely nights. I, I struggled with homesickness a lot, like in the first like eight months of marriage. Um, and it was hard. Cause I was like, Oh, not only am I like away from my family and I had been away from them before, but not as, um, it was college life. So it was different. I had a lot of commotion, a lot of things to do, but it was kind of a quieter pace of life. And so, yeah, that, that was hard. And I, I had a lot of like, I felt loneliness, even though I was newly married and I was like, wow, like I shouldn't be feeling this, but I did because it is hard. Like it, it, yeah. it is a sacrifice. But um, again, if you're not willing to do that in seminary, if you're not willing to, I mean, it's such a great opportunity to trust in the Lord and like really, you know, be in his word so richly and like have Jesus truly as your anchor. Like, I'm so glad that we had this because it's like, oh, like Nate's busy. Okay. Like I see this as an opportunity to, how can I get to know Christ more tonight? Like, what should I read? What should I be filling my mind with? What music should I put on? What, you know, it's like, okay, like I, I can use this and I can pout about it, or I can find a way to like use this time, you know, wisely and in a way that's going to be edifying, you know, to my soul. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like if you're not able to do that in seminary, then you're, it's going to be worse. <laughs> when you go. Yeah. I think like yeah, in terms, yeah. in, in terms for the woman's aspect of like feeling a little, I would say possessive, um, mm-hmm. of your husband. And so, yeah, that would, mm-hmm. yeah, that was perfect. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. That was wonderful. And so we're going to get now into some fun questions, <laughs> like signature <laughs> questions of our podcast. <laughs> uh, so some of your favorite books to read other than the oh. Bible. You know, we know like the Bible. Yes, we love it. And <laughs> Can you narrow it down? No. Can you like, <laughs> okay, let me just oh. give you, let me give you like some context. Yes. So we're packing, right? To leave yes. to the state of Idaho. I've probably been packing for about a week and a half, maybe two weeks, about 40 minutes to an hour a night. I'm just doing a little bit at a time. Oh, wow. I'm, I just finished packing our books. No. 
we still have like, and we still have more yeah <laughs> still have, and yeah. we have more so we we i love books i'm i i love reading um i'm gonna have to think about this so i'm gonna let you go oh man <laughs> you're making me go first uh I think I, I really love the biographies. I've read a couple of really good biographies on George Whitfield. One of them coming from Steve Lawson's mm. like Faithful Men series or something like that. Uh, just shorter biographies. And George Whitfield, such a wonderful man, who itinerant preacher who just loved the Lord and got so excited about teaching and preaching. It's a real encouragement. I also read. Uh, Shadow of the Almighty, which is Elizabeth Elliot's recalling mm. of Jim Elliot's ministry mm. and the letters that they sent back and forth between each other. So I've read that. And then there's, um, it's a commentary, but it's written very plainly uh, for the average individual yeah. on Ecclesiastes. It's Living Life Backward by David Gibson, uh, commentary on Ecclesiastes, but it's written just like a normal chapter book is. So it's very well done. I really appreciated that. Kind of sheds a new light on Ecclesiastes on how mm. to uh, live life as a gift, not as gain. Mm. It's an excellent book. Um, and you just preach on Ecclesiastes and I just, on, yeah. on Sojourners. So mm-hmm. if anyone is interested in hearing some of the <laughs> preaching that we enjoy in Sojourners, Aww. I know that we have a Sojourners podcast because I've listened to it oh. there. Mm-hmm. So all of the sermons, I, I haven't checked... Recently, but they should like they're pretty good like up to uploading in like weekly, so you can just go on Apple Podcast and you find the Sojourners Fellowship Group there and mm-hmm. listen to our sermons. So, yeah, yeah. There's mm-hmm. that. Um, I also read a book by Martin Lloyd Jones uh, called Preachers and Preaching, uh, or Preaching and Preachers. It's it's one of those two combinations. <laughs> And he's very adamant and very dogmatic about um, the work of a pastor, the work of a preacher, um, how he prepares his sermons, how he goes about his week. And just a very good, encouraging read about staying faithful in the ministry, mm-hmm. uh, staying faithful to God's word as you preach and as you teach, as you counsel individuals. It's just a real encouraging work of just how to do ministry mm-hmm. in the church based on God's word. So I've read that. Oh, man. You guys have a big list, I guess. I told you. <laughs> All right. So you got to pick All from right, the Tiffany, list. It's yeah, your you got to pick from your list. Okay. So <laughs> for fiction, <laughs> um, I love C.S. Lewis's fiction. Mm-hmm. So like um, That Hideous Strength is a really unique and weird book. But it's so good. Um, any, honestly, like any fiction by C.S. Lewis is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, Scarlet Pimpernel is one of my favorite books and crime and punishment is also another crime. one of my favorite crime and punishment by Dostoevsky. And hmm, it's a, never heard of this. it's so like, I love classic literature. So like classic mm-hmm. rush, classic Russian, British literature. I, mm-hmm. I find those extremely fascinating and enjoyable. I also, so when, then when it comes to like, um, nonfiction, I love, uh, a lot of obviously like Christian devotional books. Um, I really like the rare jewel of Christian contentment um, is a Puritan paperback book. Mm, yeah. It's very good. There's a, there's a more modern version called the power of Christian contentment. Also really good. I read both. I honestly loved both of them. I was like, mm. this could <laughs> so good. I love the idols of the heart mm-hmm. from Elise Fitzpatrick is also one of my favorites. And 
Um, I feel like I'm missing so many. I'm such a visual person. So like, if you were to like bring me in front of my bookshelf, I'd be like, ah, yes. Yeah, this me. one, this one, this <laughs> one. All of these. She's home. going through. through <laughs> I know, so I'm like trying to, yeah. yeah. Um, I think we have and, that one. That I also have oh, it's but, so uh, 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 The books that you yeah. have mentioned, this is the first time that I'm uh, yeah, uh, hearing about it. Yeah, because yeah. I always ask this question too. Yeah. So everyone yeah. has like a pretty sure. good list. Yeah. Um, oh, another one I just read is called Picture Perfect by Amy Baker. She has a few books out. Um, but if you're like, a perfectionist type a kind of personality this goes into like perfectionism and the heart behind what you're doing and how mm. um prideful and sinful it is and then like oh it's so oh, good girl. and I, so this is that's like very fresh on my heart <laughs> yeah um because that's what i've been really like probably um growing through in my sanctification the most recently yeah. and a friend gave me that book and i was like blown away um i have so many other books that i love but those are a few <laughs> so it's funny because remember the story that I was telling you about this girl and I that we've been connecting through social media. Yeah. She's in Maryland. So she is like her and I were just start talking about she listens to the podcast often, you know, like any time that we release an episode, whenever anyone mentions the books, it's yeah. like we start talking about the books and I'm like, I send her picture. I just got these books and I'm like, Richard, don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> I just ordered this book. So yeah, so I ordered like three books the other yes. day. And then I just like sent her the picture. And she was the one actually also who told me about A Chance to Die. But somebody else yeah. mentioned it in the podcast. I'm like, okay, that's on the list for me too. Yeah. I mean, we have a lot of books here that I still have to read. My next question is, and I'm going to give it to Tiffany first. Okay. Three things that brings you joy. Oh. Three things that brings you joy. <laughs> okay. Sounds like Marie Kondo. Just three, not a hundred. <laughs> three. Okay. Three. Sorry. I will, lim- I will limit to three. I, the first thing that jumped in, jumps into my mind is that morning cup of coffee with my Bible. Like that time just sets. I mean, sometimes it's 10 minutes. Sometimes it's 40 minutes. You know, it doesn't, the time doesn't necessarily matter, but that time in the word and prayer where all is quiet and I like set my mind straight for the day, <laughs> that is truly like day changing, life changing, yeah. right? Like it's day changing in the, in the actual day, but it, over time is actually life-changing. So I really, I really enjoy those times with the Lord. Um, I also love to journal. So I would say when I journal and I'm able to, um, which is really interesting, I, I journaled off and on growing up. (laughs) So there's some really fun entries out there. (laughs) And then I started really being consistent with journaling right before the shutdown, right before COVID came out. And I have like a distinct, like, entry of like, there's this COVID thing in China and who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> and sure enough, like what? it just exploded, right? Like I, it's crazy. And so I say that because I love journaling because it's such a practical way to look back on like my feelings on something or um, how to see how God provided or like shaped my, even the way that I spoke to the Lord or that I spoke to or spoke out my thoughts. I was like, I can see how the Lord has matured me and grown me to have more uh, faith and trust in him mm-hmm. just in my daily life. And that was so cool. So I, I really enjoyed that just to see like, wow, God, like you are so incredibly like faithful to, um, to do that. Okay. So th- my third one's probably really weird, <laughs> but oh, no. Uh-oh. okay. It's not that weird. I have, <laughs> I am, I'm pretty a weird person, but, um, <laughs> something that like calms me down or like, I love watching YouTube videos of people playing piano. Like I love watching them play the notes and like 
listening and tracking with where they're playing. I don't know why, but like that calms me down. That like relaxes me. It's, I think it's the most like joyful, impressive thing. I don't know, but it's very, (laughs) I don't think I know this. I love, I love playing music. I love playing piano. And so like it, it playing piano would also probably fall on the list because it tunes everything out and I have to focus on the notes. Otherwise it doesn't work well. Right. So it's like a really good way of like, I don't know, for me, like kind of decompressing is the right word. And so like also watching people play piano like on YouTube, like I could for do that planet for Earth. hours. <laughs> for me, it's planet yeah. Earth. It's like yeah. I could just play planet Earth yes. and Richard is already getting tired of it because every, <laughs> like, if it was for me, I will play yeah. it every night Aww. and just like mm-hmm. little David, David yeah. Atmoral. And yeah. That's his, yeah. His voice is just like fascinating. And like <laughs> his accent, I will be, and, you know, plus you have all, all those beautiful shots of like, yeah. you know, God's creation. It's really relaxing. Isn't yeah. it? Oh, thank we you. Fall Richard needs to, to hear this. <laughs> we you do fall this. We fall asleep to it. To it. Exactly. <laughs> That's what happens to me. One day, I think Richard was like in small group, and I guess he got home like pretty late. Apparently, I fell asleep watching Planet Earth, so it was like on when he got here. So I was already asleep. So that's me. <laughs> that yeah. calls me down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What three, about you, Nate? Three things. Three things. And by the way, you know who actually, when I first started uh, the podcast, you know who gave me this question? Erin. Yes. <laughs> she told me. That's yeah, true. Th- that this sounds is like a an Erin question. Yeah. She was like, what about. Are you about to ask me what my spirit animal is? Because she does that too. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> spirit animal. <laughs> what is kidding. your spirit animal? Well, he says it's a dog. Oh. <laughs> what? It really is. Yeah. Really, she gets very excited. The dog is affirming it. If you hear it in the background, that's not <laughs> Tiffany. That's an actual dog. <laughs> that's an actual dog out there. No, she gets very excited about simple things. Aww. She gets distracted very easily yes. about that's random foxy. things. And I have to be like near Nate. Yeah, she likes to be extremely close to me. That's yeah. Foxy near anyone. Yep. <laughs> well, you Nate, but Foxy is like yeah. anyone. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a, yeah. Anyway, that's not the question she asked. Yeah, but the question well, is like, actually, that. what are three things that brings you joy? To go outside of my my devotions and scripture reading, I would have to say uh, one of them is golf. Mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. enjoy golfing. I played golf all through high school, and it's a sport that you can play your entire life. It's a very relaxing sport. It doesn't require a ton of concentration between shots. Um, you can have conversations. My youth pastor and I, we used to meet out on the golf course and talk through ministry things. Mm. Uh, it was very relaxing that. So golf would be one of them. A second one, something that brings me joy, rainy days, mm. a good thunderstorm, mm-hmm. like <laughs> loud, hard rain. It's so relaxing being inside, listening to that. You know, you got a good book, Tiffany, doesn't like it as much as I do. You don't mm-hmm. share in my joy. No, it's okay. I it brings me joy. I know. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> complete opposite. I love the sound that brings you. Yes. No, I, I love a good a good rainstorm. Mm-hmm. And then number three. Oh man. I don't know. What brings me joy, Tiffany? Blue bunny. Oh yeah, ice cream. <laughs> Yeah, definitely I'm like ice blue cream. Bunny. So, uh, natural bunny. Blue bunnies. So blue bunnies. B- no bu- <laughs> bunnies. Oh my goodness. <laughs> bunnies. Blue, blue bunny 
is the oh. name of the company. It's an ice cream oh. company. People oh, talk about like Blue Bell in the South. Tiffany says Blue Bunnies. No, Blue Bunny is an ice cream company, mm-hmm. and they are their headquarters is just north of where I grew up in the ice cream capital of the world. And so I love some good ice cream, and they make really good ice cream. Mm, simple. We love some ice cream. We're yeah. pretty simple people. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a <Yep>. notebook. <laughs> some blue bunnies. Some <laughs> You're good. Blue bunnies? <laughs> but, yeah, he keeps like looking at you. Every time you say the name, like, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, I don't get out much. <laughs> Yikes. Well, then. <laughs> Blue bunnies are bloody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it. I'm not saying the name anymore. That's it. Okay, Blue I think it's- bunny. Blue bunny. Just one. Just one. Yep, she just says, one. yeah, she said. Singular. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, and for my last question, it's actually for Nate. I'm going to ask you this last question. And first of all, again, thank you for mm-hmm. Joining me, sitting here with us and sharing your testimony, I got to learn a lot of things from your <laughs> life that even on that night that we were here having dinner together, there there is just so much that you share, right? But then mm-hmm. there's like every time that you just share your testimonies, there's always something new, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we didn't, we didn't necessarily like share, I guess, like our testimony that night, but yeah. it was just more like, you know, mm-hmm. background story. And yeah. now just getting to know this aspect of your life is just great to be a reminder of the Lord's faithfulness and just to see you both now transitioning in this new season of your lives. And I hope I can have you back from Idaho. <laughs> That's what we do. We do that a lot. Yeah. A lot of times I just like... um I think of an idea, and then I, mm-hmm. I'm like, Richard, I got this brilliant idea. Sometimes it's not. No. <laughs> He's like, no. <laughs> I don't. Why? Why? Why were you doing this? But, but most, most of the time, it's been like, um, just really need to just like walk through those ideas. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, let's reach out to this person and see if they're willing to do it. So mm-hmm. I know you guys are going to give mm-hmm. you a free time there. <laughs> you guys have to like adjust to the new life yeah. and everything. But um, we will be praying for you guys over here. Hoping to see you back down here or us going up there and visiting. Yeah, Yeah, I know I've been to Idaho. (laughs) And there are some friends, actually. uh, There's a friend that I met through social media through the podcast who lives in Idaho. Oh, okay. Hmm. So uh, her husband, I think, he has come down to the Shepherds Conference. And it's been neat just to Hmm. connect through social media. So now that you guys are going up there Mm -hmm. too. Or up or down. I don't know. Where is it? Up. (laughs) Yeah, we're going up. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, so thank you again, guys. And um, Nate, uh, everything that we hear on this podcast is our testimony pointing to one person, and that is Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And it is our hope that people will not just see this as like, oh, that's a wonderful story. But no, it's it's a, a story that it's tragic to think if that if we didn't have christ then the only end that there will be it's only hell mm-hmm. and for anyone who is a believer you mm-hmm. know it is an encouragement for them to see the lord working in god's people an encouragement mm-hmm. for them to be reminded of the lord faith the lord's faithfulness but in the case of a not a non-believer you know mm-hmm. a non-believer person listening um they might be just like asking themselves, why are these people just talking about this Jesus? Why do they talk about Jesus all the time? Well, he is a main 
he's the hero, the main hero of our life. We're not the hero of our story, but Jesus Christ is the hero, right? And so, Nate, I would love for you to share with us, um, with any, anyone who who's listening or watching, why do we need Jesus? Why does mm-hmm. everyone in this world need Jesus? Well, you're... I like how you stated that, that Jesus is our hero, mm-hmm. uh, because we have so many heroes that we look up to, uh, whether that be heroes on TV or actual heroes in our lives. Um, but Jesus is the ultimate hero because he will never fail. He will never come up short. Uh, at the end of our lives, our heroes, whoever they may be in fiction or nonfiction, uh, they ultimately come up short. But yet Christ never comes up short because he is our Lord and our Savior. He's the one who has uh, given us Mm -hmm. salvation from sin to righteousness. And one of the things I really draw out of the person of Christ is not necessarily his person, but the fact that he is Lord. I think of a passage in Matthew 16 that says uh, we are to take up our cross and follow after him. And what that means is that we're no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to righteousness. He is the one who uh, determines our lives. He's the one who holds everything in the palm of his hand. He's not just some great figure in our lives. He is the ultimate hero. He is the Lord. And we are to love him, to obey him, because he's he's a great Lord. He's, he's the perfect Lord who died for our sins and then rose again from the dead three days later. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the ultimate hero, and he is our only hope in this life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is because of him that our our relationship with the Lord has been restored. It That's is, right. you know, we're no longer, if we are in Christ, we belong to the Lord, right? We are ch- his children, mm-hmm. right? That's what mm-hmm. he says in his word, that we are now his children, and um, we are slave to, like you said, slave to righteousness, not to sin. So thank you again, guys, for joining me. Mm-hmm. And friends, thank you so much for listening or watching. And as I've been saying on the past episodes, don't forget to leave us those five stars from wherever you're listening to and leave us a review. And again, the reason why we ask for that is because it will let other people know, hey, by the way, this is a podcast that you should be listening to. And also it will make us more visible to other people who are searching for a podcast to listen to. So that's just very helpful just to share and to encourage others to be listening to the testimony that we bring to you every Tuesday. Thank you so much for joining us and I will see you on the next episode. But before, Nate, will you please close us in prayer? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the many blessings that you give to us. Uh, Blessings that are tangible, blessings that are intangible. Lord, blessings that we don't even know about. We thank you that you are our Lord that you are our Savior who died for us uh, so that we might have eternal life with you. Lord, we pray that you would guide us and strengthen us, that you would give us wisdom to understand your word, to seek out uh, the truth in your word, and to know you better. We thank you for this time, and we pray it all in your name. Amen. Amen.